Cameron, we've got a very exciting live double episode happening on November 25th at the Chipper Hotel. What time? 3 p.m. It's a Sunday. You've got to be there. Make it. I've it's going to be really good. I've got church that day. <laughs> well, me too. And the church is called the Total Reboot Live Podcast. I come to the altar of cinema and I pray to Steven Spielberg that he'll make a sequel to Ready Player One called Ready Player <laughs> Two. <laughs> well, we will be talking about. Not Steven Spielberg, but two icons, perhaps dark satanic icons of cinema, <laughs> two of craziest actors in history that we are both obsessed with. It's about <laughs> two remakes of classic properties starring two different insane actors. The first one, Cameron? The Wicker Man, which is a reboot starring Nicholas Coppola, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage. Yes, please don't dead name him. <laughs> We're gonna and talk- what's the second one? The second one is our Christmas special, bitch. We are talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey. And we've got great guests for both of these episodes. It's two eps that we are recording. Mm-hmm. For the price of one ep. For the price of one. Tickets are moving, so if you want to book... I suggest booking now because it will sell out. There is a link available in the show notes right now. You can click on through, buy some tickets, 15 bucks a piece. And also, if you're a Patreon supporter, you've got a little discount code sitting in your Facebook group right now to get five bucks off. So get to it, Jungle Babies. Start booking and we'll start looking at that movie. To watch and discuss live. We are not screening the movie. We are discussing the movie live in front of you, an audience, where we'll be very similar to how we are doing it in the episode you're Lexi about to hear. is sweating right now. I have not booked a cinema. <laughs> I booked a pub, the Chippo Hotel. Come and hang out with us, you fucking beautiful freaks. Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the Total Reboot with Cam and Alexi. Happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. <laughs> my favourite song. Oh, my favourite Halloween carol, if I you will. I absolutely love that tune oh, every I'm year. obsessed with the mask the Silver Shamrock company makes. Me <laughs> too. Obviously, I can't name another mask company. Oh, no, not at all. I couldn't even name... Uh, that one until <laughs> until I saw Halloween three. Uh, hey, guess what? You're listening to Total Reboot. My name is Cameron James, and I'm sitting directly opposite, probably the greatest cinephile <laughs> to ever walk this rock we call Earth. It's Alexi Teleopolis. Cameron, I'm amongst one of my great cinephiles. Uh, just let me look right around now. the room so I can see who you're talking well, about. Well, look that way. There's a freaking mirror behind you. <gasps> Could it be? It's me again in oh the my mirror. Go- <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. You're, you're your number one fan. I love myself. Yeah. And I'm proud of myself. 
And I'm proud to know you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm proud to work with you on what is ostensibly the single and only podcast about movies. About cinema, about film. Yeah. About flicks. About flicks, about... DVDs. Oh, DVD culture, Blu-ray culture, Mm -hmm. Criterion collection every now and then. Web movies. Oh, yeah. Commercials, magazines, all of that. All of the art forms. Not books. Books stink. We will never talk about books on here. No, although I did start reading a book recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's wrong? um, Why? I'm depressed. I have depression. That's, oh. that's the biggest sign is yeah. when someone is reading a book on public transport. And if they have more than one podcast, obviously that is <laughs> that is another thing that leads to depression. Clinical You're at three brain. these days. <laughs> three, a fourth on the way. Yeah, well, I'm trying for a fourth. <laughs> hey, it's so good to be back on the uh, the movie podcast where mm-hmm. we discuss reboots, remakes, and rip-offs with you. I have missed you. I've been away oh, yeah. for a month. It would only be a week to you guys, but yeah. for us, it's been a freaking eternity. It's been a long-ass time. And I, can I just say, in the last episode, you said that I was in Italy and you were dead wrong. Yeah. You dead never wrong. even went to Italy? No, I've never even freaking heard of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Not even... Uh, I don't even understand what the fucking word is. Not one biscotta you've heard of it. <laughs> I was, you said something along the lines of uh, that he's in the land of cinema, Italy. Yeah. And I was in the land of cinema, Scotland, the yes. home of Shrek. Home of Shrek, of <laughs> trade spotting. And uh, uh, Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite movie. My favourite Scottish flick, Highlander. <laughs> I love Highlander. I was in Scotland. I was in Sweden. I was yep. in France. These are all good film countries. France Sweden. is a film country. France, Sweden. Sweden's got freaking a film history coming out of the wazoo. Ingmar Bergman, if you will. That's true. I went to Stockholm. Oh, my the God. The home of the Skarsgård family. <laughs> yes. And I walked right up to Stellan Skarsgård's <laughs> door, and I knocked, and I knocked, and he did not answer, and then I put a flaming bag of... <laughs> Poop on his doorstep. This is for Pirates of the Caribbean 3, bitch. <laughs> is he in that? He plays Barnacle Bill. Oh, oh he does too. <laughs> awesome. I love that dude. I, I think his love name that is franchise. Bootstrap, actually. Oh, Bootstrap. But he's hey, got barnacles on his head. That is why I was confused. <laughs> hey, speaking of um, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. I went to Disneyland Paris. Yeah. And they have a Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yes. One of the old school ones. You've been on that one, haven't you? I've been to the LA edition. Did you go on that ride? Yeah, it's more... There's paparazzi on there. (laughs) It's more... It's more modern day. Yeah. Did they have um, Johnny Depp in that one? Yeah, they've got Johnny Depp. They've inserted Johnny Depp into this one. So it's all the old puppets that just look shit. They Mm. can barely move. They're all rickety and shit. Yeah. And then every now and then, there's an incredible puppet. <laughs> photorealistic. Yeah, photorealistic. Because all the rest look like fucking Shmee yeah. with like a big bulbous nose. And then all of a sudden, the real life Johnny yeah. Depp pops out of a barrel yeah. and you swear to God it's him. <gasps> except he is, it's a French voice. Yeah. It's a French impression oh, of Johnny wow. Depp. It's just like, Je m'appelle Jack Sparrow. Le Ville Chaudry, the rum. <laughs> Chocolat. Avec 
avec me, me hate me artists. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Um, I also went on a ride. I don't know if they have it in the LA one that you would have loved. I mm. thought about you really while I was there. Thank God I was in your mind. Yeah, you crossed. Uh, you crossed my mind. I was lining up. It's a a, a ride called Aerosmith's. Rockin' Roller Coaster. Wow, because Aerosmith, famously my favourite band. They famously rock. They rock. And this is our Disneyland. This is a Disneyland. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Disneyland Aerosmith. Yeah, why? Why? So, okay, so I piece it together. Disney were part of the producers, one of the producers of the film Armageddon. Oh, There is an yes. Armageddon special effects spectacular. Yep. On the Walt Disney lot. God, I love the backstage (laughs) stories of Hollywood about the legalities of how how one corporation owns other brands. And then bring that into the magic of Disneyland, the world's most magical place. (laughs) So they've clearly got the rights to Aerosmith and Mm -hmm. Armageddon for some reason. So there's this roller coaster, which is basically Space Mountain. It's It's indoors. It's in the dark. It's called Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster. Amazing. And you know how roller coasters have a story now when you're yeah. like lining up and shit? Yes. It's usually like like the Space Mountain one is we've all got to go into space to, you know, avoid attack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or it's like... C-3PO and R2-D2 going like, oh, gosh, you're in line for the most magical tour that you could possibly go on, Star Tours. Yeah, or it's like a there's red lights flashing and there's a voice going like, emergency evacuation, yeah. make your way towards the capsule or whatever. Yeah. Um, the story of the Aerosmith one is that we're in the studio okay, with awesome. Aerosmith. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's lining up. And we're actually inside their studio. And there's a big screen on the wall that looks like we're looking into the room that they're jamming in. I thought you meant the big screen that looks like Steven Tyler's fucking lips. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Aerosmith are like jamming in the room. And then all of a sudden, Steve Tyler notices that we're all watching him. And he's like... You guys won't believe this new song. It's it's like a roller coaster. It's wow. so fucking good. We've wrote this new song. It's going to take you on a ride. Here, we'll play it for you. And then their sound technician turns around, and he is Ken Marino. Whoa. I thought you were going to say Tom Hanks, like <laughs> in the Wayne's World sketch. I was like, whoa. It was, for some reason, Ken Marino. It's clearly been filmed a long time ago. Yeah. He has one line. He says, all right, guys, are you ready to press play? And they say, yeah, and then he presses play on the track. And then you go into the next room where you get on a oh roll. I thought that you were on the roller coaster. <laughs> you're, and you're, not, no. you're not even on the roller coaster. <laughs> ready to play? Okay, cool. Okay, and then you have to wait minutes. for 10 more minutes <laughs> while everyone gets loaded into the thing. We've got about four minutes of just white noise for a <laughs> yeah. while. You hear us setting up the instruments. And then you go on the roller coaster. And it's just a normal roller coaster, except yeah. there is a medley of Aerosmith songs playing in wow. your ears from the seat behind you. Um, not an original song that they've written. It's wow. just like five or six of their choruses stitched yeah, together in that's Garage Band. Have we got a new song we want to hear? It's going to take you It's tricky to... Whatever the, whatever the run name scene was. Walk yeah. this way. And then it ends with the, Air, the Armageddon one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that song, by the way. Yeah, it's I've one of the greatest songs the movie, ever written. Never seen the movie, nor will I. The song is awesome. The song is the movie. Yeah, thank God. That film clip, you saw the movie, dude. Thank goodness. I've seen the movie. So, yeah, I guess we got to go. 
We gotta go. <laughs> we, gotta we gotta go. go. We gotta go watch it because I think technically it is a reboot of Armageddon. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we have to experience. Yeah, that. we have to watch Armageddon and then go on the rock and roller coaster. All movies based on rides are considered reboots. <laughs> How many ride <laughs> movies are there? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, there was Lethal Weapon at. Um, oh, which way Warner are we Brothers going? Movie movies one? turned into rides or vice versa? Um, movies turned into rides, dude. Movies turn into rides, yeah, probably every fucking ride. Who gives a shit? <laughs> anyway, the movie we're talking about today. This is a ride. This movie is a freaking thrill This ride. movie is a fucking roller coaster. Um, I, how many of these fucking movies have you watched? I've seen, as of today, I've seen every single Halloween movie. This is our final episode for now, at least, talking about the Halloween film franchise. Uh, this has been such a challenge this series <laughs> because for us it's been one that people have been asking us to podcast about for a very long time mm-hmm. because of two factors people will like hearing us talk about John Carpenter films back on the Blank Slate oui. movie podcast dates mm-hmm. and they also there's a Mike Myers connection we've of course done the podcast Mike Check we go through the films of Mike Myers just to check if they're good or not and his name is very similar to Michael Myers it's almost verbatim almost the same name yeah. I mean, legally, same guy. I think it's the same guy. If your legally. name is similar enough, yeah. yeah, you can be convicted in court. Mike has almost been convicted for the crimes of Michael Myers. <laughs> almost been. And Michael Myers has been convicted for the love guru. <laughs> He's currently sitting in prison today because of the love guru. Mm. Um, so this is our final. This is our final episode so far about this ep- about this series. It's been such a strange series going through it. Maybe let's talk a bit about it. Little recap to start our review off. I have a little challenge for you. Yeah. Can you remember the names of all these movies in order? In order. Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, 1978. You don't have to give me the names. Of- Starring <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> and Donald Pleasance. Uh, Halloween two. Uh huh. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which, of course, we covered on a podcast because it was a first kind of reboot of the series where they were like, okay, now let's reimagine it as an anthology series. Uh And we get to meet wonderful characters such as an Irish warlock who owns a mask company. And a horny doctor. Horny fucking doctor who roots a dead man's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And that's an insane movie. We've covered that one. Then... Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Yeah. Where we see that they have backed out of their idea and want to come back to the world (laughs) of Michael Myers. I just watched that one. I watched the three that we didn't cover, which is also Halloween 5. The what of Michael Myers? The something on Michael Myers. The curse. No, that's six. The revenge. Revenge. The sun. I don't know what it's called. It's called Halloween... The Revenge of Michael oh, Myers. Fuck. Then Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is the final appearance of Donald Ple- Pleasance, and the first appearance of Paul Rudd, <laughs> <laughs> who cu- who is playing the young man who was once the young boy that Laurie was babysitting on that fateful <laughs> night. Good. He's grown up. Oh, I'm so glad we got some closure on that character. Yeah, the film debut of Paul Rudd is in Halloween 6. The future... Ant-Man. The future of cinema, Paul Rudd. Uh, <laughs> but those are three movies that we didn't talk about at all on this podcast. I can tell you a bit about them now. I'd love to know every minute detail. I kind them. of enjoyed them. I think on the whole, I enjoy most of this franchise. You enjoyed them on the whole? I enjoy them on my little beast hole. Just popping up the little beast hole. That's, I take my movies via, <laughs> via Enema these days. I melt the Blu-ray down, shoot it up. 
and then let it hard coat my colon <laughs> as it dries out. Uh, but I, I enjoyed these because I think as far as slasher movies go and horror icons go, mm-hmm. for me, having gone through this entire franchise now, I understand the importance of shitty horror movies creating an icon. I don't think you can be a proper horror icon as far as a character goes, at least, a villain goes, (laughs) Mm. without having a series of shitty sequels. I mean, like, you know, Rosemary's Baby even has, like, a shitty sequel where it's, like, a TV movie and stuff (laughs) like that. But, you know, that's there's no big villain in that. But, you know, you look at... Excuse me, the devil? (laughs) Sorry, he sucks. The greatest villain of all. Uh, The devil stinks. The devil is he a stinker. He sinks of sulfur. <laughs> yeah, he sinks of sulfur and egg farts. Yeah, but you look at like Michael Myers, you look at Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees, you look at Freddy, Freddy fucking Krueger, um, Ghostface. They've all had like many sequels to varying success. But I think this franchise, what is unique about it is Halloween, the original, after we've discussed it, after we've seen it again, that's a bona fide masterpiece. Like that is a true icon, beautiful, perfect, or close to perfect movie in cinema as you get, really. And then sequels get progressively shittier and suckier and weirder. And I think that is what makes Michael, what has made Michael a lasting icon in Mm. cinema, is that he made one masterpiece film and then the rest were for like the diehard fans. So it's a combination of like classic and camp at yeah. the same time. Or shitty. Because I think horror fans love those shitty movies because it's fun to watch them. Yeah. And I think... Not four, for me. Yeah, not for <laughs> you. But four and five are pretty interesting. It's the return. It's... Uh, like, I would review... I would rate... If I had to rate these, these would all... Halloween 1 is a five-star movie. Yeah. Halloween 2, probably like three-star, three-and-a-half-star. Then the four, five, six, they're two-star movies. <laughs> but, you know, they're fun. There's enough in them to kind of enjoy them a bit. But they follow um, Laurie Strode's daughter. Laurie has died. She has a daughter um, who is played by an actress who would go on to be in the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween as well. Mm, awesome. And she's a great performance. She's only like five years old in them. And uh, it's about Michael Myers coming back because she's his niece trying to come kill her as well. So from what I've heard, in one of them, one of those movies ends with Laurie's daughter sort of becoming a killer. Yes. And then they kind of take her back and that's the, and that that's Halloween 4 ends of her kind of becoming killer. And then in the fifth one, they just ignore it? Then she's institutionalized and she doesn't speak through most of the whole movie. Uh-huh. And then it starts bringing a plot of like, Michael was created by Satanism <laughs> and there's like a cult kind of around him of people like that's how he's invincible and stuff. Uh-huh. And then Donald Pleasance is like still around, like trying to kill him and all that. It's they they get they get it pretty wacky and out there. And it makes sense why with H2O they decide to reboot it, Halloween H2O twenty years later. But oh. it's thicker than water. Family's thicker than everyone. <laughs> and then so they that's the reboot. They tried yeah. to make it again. They tried to clean it up. They tried to turn a franchise into a trilogy yep. by tying off the original story, but they didn't tie it off. At no. the end of the movie, or the start of the next one, Halloween Resurrection, it's revealed that uh, Mike, Mike, Michael Myers did a switcheroo. Yeah, he did the old one-two. 
<laughs> they dressed a paramedic up as him, yeah. and then Laurie chopped the paramedic's head off. Yeah, yeah. And then he's back around, kills Laurie. Then he's on a web show. The Buster Rhymes <laughs> host. The Buster Rhymes, Tyra Banks <laughs> web show. Yeah. And that's it. Buster Rhymes kills him. Buster Rhymes kills him. He says, trick or treat, motherfucker, and he dies. Yeah. And it's a believable death <clears throat> for Michael Myers. Then we have... It's the- actually an earned death. <laughs> it's more earned than Laurie Strode killing him. Yeah, chopping his fucking head off. Yeah, what... But having Buster Rhymes, yep. like Kung Fu kick <laughs> Michael Myers to Into death, electricity or yeah, something. Yeah, is probably the death that all horror fans wanted Michael Myers to have <laughs> yeah. from the beginning. They wanted Buster to come in and kick ass. <laughs> and then we've got the Rob Zombie remake, Halloween. Yep. And Halloween 2. The Rise of Electro. <laughs> And I, I was surprised by how much I liked them. Oh, I heard in your review. I'm amazed. I thought you were going to truly detest these. Man, I think it was nice to have an auteur's touch on the films again. Wow, you're like, calling him an auteur. Well, That's I think huge. he is. You can identify. Dude, he's an auteur. <laughs> he is. <laughs> like, you can identify. He's like, grotty. You can identify any of his movies from one frame because maybe most of the characters have dreadlocks. But, <laughs> but you know, I think I enjoyed them because I was like, this is a take. Someone has a yeah. take on a movie. This, as far as all the remakes we've watched, this is one I'm like, oh, this is someone who had an idea. They inspired by the movie to create not a unique piece of art, but a unique take on a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting. Halloween 2 is even stranger. There's something I didn't cover in the episode because I didn't finish watching the movie by then. But there's a part where Malcolm McDowell as... Uh, Loomis. Loomis goes on a talk show hosted by Chris Hardwick to promote his book about Michael Myers. What? And the other guest on the talk show is Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and he's like, Michael Myers, isn't that guy that made Austin Powers? And so, there we go. That's another wow. direct reference to the great man. So, in the universe, in Rob Zombie's Zombieverse mm. of Halloween, Mike Myers, the comedian, exists. He exists. Finally, he exists. Finally, he's being recognized. He, they recognized him. They're like, this guy is the great man. He's not as guilty as Michael, but he's done bad things <laughs> he too. He is probably the only comedy movie referenced in that movie. Yeah. So he is the most important comedian in the zombieverse. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's so exciting. There, you actually, there's a scene where they go to a comedy club and Cat Williams is performing as well. But Oh, Cat no, Williams made that up. <laughs> That's GTA 4. <laughs> oh, shit. Which could be part of the Rob Zombieverse. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Probably. And that brings us to today's episode. We're talking about... The third movie in the franchise called Halloween, <laughs> where they are turning a franchise, instead of a, a trilogy this time, into a duology. Oh, I love that phrase. <laughs> I'm so glad it exists and that everyone says it. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one because it has written off everything that came before it except for the original. Mm-hmm. It's technically a sequel, but it has the same name. Yes. So, I mean, what a head fuck. Yeah. My mind is freaking blown. I'm like, hang on. This is a sequel, but it has the same name as the first one? Um, did they forget to add a two on there? Or like or two capital I's? Something like that. Or even just like two googly eyes or something, because it's like Halloween. It's fun to wear costumes. Yeah. Or like hal They could have called it that. Yeah, or like the two L's in Halloween is like two... Roman numerals. Roman numeral I's. Yeah. Maybe they did forget to do that. Maybe they mucked up. They mucked up, they fucked up, and I guess I'm going to suck up, because 
I really want to work with David Gordon Green someday. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to brown nose this freaking movie because he's <laughs> one of my heroes. <laughs> but, you know, this is a movie, once again, where I was excited for it because I think that that idea of taking it back to basics was something yeah. I was interested in, especially the two people at the helm of this movie. I wish they movie. called it Halloween Back to Basics. <laughs> Halloween Back to Freaking Basics. <laughs> By the way, Basics Productions is my favourite production company. Yeah, they make great movies. <laughs> Michael Bay and Tom Six. <laughs> Tom Six working together at last. They make the freaking human centipede. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is sick. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Yeah. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. We're talking about Halloween in cinemas now. Breaking records around the place. Directed by David Gordon Green. <laughs> that was and like... written by... Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to be doing Richard Wilkins thing. It was like you were be... introducing a comedian to <laughs> yeah. the stage. Like, oh. It's breaking records all over town. Breaking all around, records around town. Kicking huge goals um, <laughs> at the moment. They are unstoppable. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy our review of Halloween. Directed by David Gordon Green. <laughs> Everyone in my family, like, turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Laurie Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Halloween 2018, directed by David Gordon Green and co-written with him and Danny McFucking Bride. And another guy. Also one more man. (laughs) Face your fate. Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Halloween H4O. 40 years later. That would have been a great title. Blood is thicker Blood than still hemoglobin. Thicker than water. <laughs> Blood is thicker than energy drink. <laughs> Blood is thicker than mother. Yeah. <laughs> they could have called it H4. They could have called it Halloween 2018. Oh, that sounds Full actually title. really cool. Halloween 2018. Um, Halloween. Because they're smoking Pineapple Express, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cameron, while I was watching this movie, I had a bit of a revelation of why one element that I love maybe most about this franchise. As I'm watching it, I am enjoying it for the most part, but I felt like there was something missing. And it was at this point that I realized, for me, my favorite ingredient of the Halloween franchise is Sammy Loomis, Dr. Loomis. Oh, yeah. And I was... There was a point in this film like all the elements are here. This feels like Halloween, but I'm missing Sam Loomis. I'm missing Donald Pleasance as a fucking maniac uh, running around with a gun, talking about how this 21-year-old man is pure evil yeah. and he's the boogeyman and that he must be stopped trying to shoot him. And I was like, I'm, I am I felt a bit sad, maybe a bit disappointed that this character doesn't exist anymore. As I had that thought... Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis runs around with a gun yelling at kids, get inside! I'm like, (laughs) he's here, but it's Laurie. Yeah. And seeing that remix of characters that we have come to understand this type of movie, the legacy sequel, 
where it is a bit of a recreation, a bit of a remake, but it's also a descendant of an earlier film, uh-huh. quite literally in a franchise format. Uh, seeing that remix of having a character we've known and loved as one type of thing, as a young girl who um, who has mainly had to face fear out of obligation rather than tackling it on, having to suffer it, to see her be transformed into our Sam Loomis character, our mm. insane... Uh, you know, our insane Van Helsing trying to take down this unstoppable evil being was, to me, one of the most satisfying legacy sequel moments we've had in the recent years, including stuff like Creed and Star Wars Force Awakens. It just hit me. I'm like, this is people that have understood what this text was and who these characters were, and have found a really satisfying way to remix them and kind of recalibrate where they all are. That's a really great read. I would not have thought about that. That's really clever. Thank you so goddamn much, dude. I've been holding that in for a week. I can tell. You're busting at the seams to say it. God, finally. No longer busting at the seams, but I can bust at the rhymes, baby. (laughs) Happy Halloween, (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Because for the large part, we have kind of simulacrums of the original characters. Mm. We've got... Um, I don't even remember the character's name, but Laurie Strode's granddaughter is a stand-in for Laurie Strode in many ways. Yep. She's kind of the the good girl, uh, final Played girl. by uh, Andy Matichak, uh-huh. who plays Allison, her daughter, her granddaughter, and Judy Greer plays her daughter. Yeah, who, by the way, isn't she one of the greatest? She's one of the best. She's so good. And it's, it's great so... to see her in a big movie like this, where she's a main character in the film. Yeah, she's incredible. She's... Uh, I don't know if you've been watching Kidding. She's no. doing great work on Kidding. Oh, at the gosh. Moment. Of course, we probably best for most familiar people as Kitty in yeah. uh, Arrested Development. But say she's... goodbye to these. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. No, I'll say hello and thanks for being in Halloween. Uh, yes, thank you. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Thank you, Kitty. She's incredible in this. We've got uh, the, I guess the, the other, well, maybe it's a dummy set up for Loomis, is the, the psychologist from the asylum. Yeah. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> Something. And then there's there's a whole bunch of new characters. I thought you would have found this movie very interesting because this movie is ostensibly about podcasting. That was something I didn't really like as our intro into it. Because it feels to me like that is one of my more negative things because I feel like that's dated will be dated very quickly yeah I didn't like it either I think it's it kind of makes sense because we're living in a time where uh, true crime podcasts are huge mm. and people are digging up cold cases all the time for yeah. purposes of entertainment like it makes sense to like logically yes but I think the characters did not feel like podcasters to me I know it should have been me up there me. Yeah. yeah it annoyed me because they were so just dramatic mm. and not real like if they're podcasters they should be um, why did they look like movie stars they yeah. should have just been like like two fat dudes yeah and um they're smoking and eating shitty food all the time you've got Kevin Smith Jason Mewes yeah it should have been people like that but I to it me should have been the smodcast it just <laughs> it just felt like almost instantly dated because it, because it's the equivalent it's of the web show in exactly. Resurrection. It's the equivalent of the web show in Resurrection, yeah. where it's like very of the times. They're trying to make it straight away to feel current day. But I feel like because Halloween is such a classic, it feels weird to see something 
that is so current in there yeah. that hasn't existed before. Like, you know, all the teen stuff now is pretty real and authentic to probably what teens are going on in going on in their lives of what their lives are like now, what they're into now. But like podcasts, because it's so current day, felt like a weird way to get in. Like if they were making a documentary film or if it's some guy writing a book about it would be more... I mean, it just it just seems more classic. And but also, we're kind of like, we're weird. living in it. Yeah. So maybe it just feels hack and cheesy yeah. to us, but in 10 years' time, people m- might find it kind of cute. Yeah. Quaint, if you will. Yeah, like two people with a little recorder trying to yeah. do it, like break a story. You know? Yeah. Like people might, it might be a cute thing. Like in the way or maybe that- it will be the future, and podcasts are the way people, people get their entertainment. Well... That's how I get my entertainment. I hope entertainment comes in pill form one day. Yeah, pill and hologram and maybe something you can shove up your butt. <laughs> well, I do that with Blu-rays melting down already. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what else was there? Was there any other things that were quite like... That stood out to me as mm. a bit of an outlier, but was there... From memory, nothing else jumped out at me as like, this is a modern mm. movie. It sort of felt like it was... Living in that space that a lot of uh, classic, like these new horror movies do, where it could be retro, yeah. it's sort of, it's in modern day, but it feels like the 70s or the 80s, you mm. know? This is the, really the, f- apart from Rob Zombie's ones, the first one where they've had to deal with like cell phones in kind of any yeah any way at all. I think it handled those But they dispatch quite of her cell phone like straight away. Yeah, they dispatch of them. Other people have them, but it's done pretty gracefully, I'd say, yeah. where it doesn't feel in your face at all trying to get rid of it all. But I think, I don't know, there's nothing, otherwise it feels like a very classic 1970s Halloween film. With the exception that Laurie Strode is now a grandmama. She's now a grandmama. Talk to me about what you thought of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and this reading of Laurie. I, I loved her performance as Laurie. I've loved her performance as Laurie in all of the films, even Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> but I, I was lucky enough to see this movie with Henry Stone and Craig Anderson. Our friends have been on this podcast. Um, and we saw a version of the film that was introduced by... Jamie Lee Curtis while she was in town. Oh, really? So we got to hear her talk about her wanting to come back to this character and her what w- her feelings of revisiting this character. She was talking about how it was like coming back to an old friend. This is her best friend. This is someone that she respects so much. This is someone that she's talked with about a character having such great ferocity and fierceness to come, come back to that character mm. and embody them as a fighter now and someone mm. who's actually fighting back, someone who's kind of become possessed by this character. And I, that's something that I really liked about that is this person who has become possessed by their trauma in manifesting that as an active character, someone mm. who, who is no longer uh, a victim, has taken their, their victimization and turned that into uh, someone who is... I'm trying to find the words to say it, but someone who is now the predator, if you yeah, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. That's what people have been saying. Yeah. And I, de- I really liked it because I think Jamie Lee Curtis is one of our great unsung actors because she's mm. more a movie star or seen more of a movie star than an actor. But she's been fucking great in every movie she's been yeah. in. 
Fish Called Wanda, she's an amazing comedy star. Mm. Uh, True Lies, amazing physical performance. Road Games, amazing performance in Australian film Road Games with Stacey Keach. And she is and, and like Freaky Friday. She's incredible in Freaky Friday. Mm. Amazing in that film. And I think she is so good at kind of capturing uh, the softness of humanity in a way where it, it captures the humor of everyday people. Mm. Where characters can be funny, they can be funny. She has like a straight way of talking to people in her films and the way of doing it where it's just there's a frankness about her where she is so feels real and grounded no matter what she's doing and mm. sarcastic. And I think that plays well into like the evolution of Laurie Strode where she is now. She's no longer a headmistress <laughs> of a boys college or whatever <laughs> she was at age 20. She's now someone that is just someone that lives on the outskirts of humanity now. I'm glad you brought up H2O just then. I How how do you find do you find it possible to watch this movie knowing that you've seen other versions of mm. Laurie played by the same actor, but now they just don't exist. They don't exist anymore. Is that weird for you? Because I couldn't get it out of my head. Like, if I had only seen Halloween and then now I was watching this one, mm. I think it would have more of an impact yeah. for me, seeing a 40-year gap, like seeing mm. an actor age 40 years, playing the same character. But I know that she did like three movies for the money yeah. where she played the same character. And now we're just pretending they don't exist. I couldn't really let go of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Once I was in it and I found, I found myself getting into the movie pretty quickly once she was introduced mm. to getting into the zone of that. And I, those slipped away. Those memories slipped away. To me, H2O is such a forgettable movie anyway, mm. where it was easy to lose that. Maybe what it was you, hard on, to lose. What do you mean it's uh, forgettable? It has LL Cool J in it as a security guard who's writing erotic fan fiction. And trying to become an actor or yeah. something. That's very memorable. I mean, sure, it's got young Alan a- Parrish in, in it. And Josh fucking Hartnett. Yeah, the biggest movie star of all, Josh Hartnett. I think it's easy to forget about it because it's like Michael Myers doesn't look like Michael Myers in that movie. He's got some look, weird... But to be honest, he doesn't look like Michael Myers in any of them. Yeah. He's like, the mask looks different in every single movie. I think this is the first time where it feels like Michael Myers is yeah. back as well. I agree. The mask was awesome yep. in this. I like that it was aged and like kind of gone hard because it's yeah. rubber and like it, it that way that cracking. latex gets all fucked yeah. up and disgusting and, and stinky the cracks, looking. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't like a you know like a I imagine a Rob Zombie take yeah. on this would be. It looked kind of like wrinkles. Like we're yeah. now looking at an old man. He looks like his hair's grown out. He's fucking old. Yeah, he's like seventy or something, yeah. isn't he? He would be about like late 60s, 70, because he's, yeah. 20, he's 21 in Halloween, 21, 61 years old. Shit. Sorry, let me do that again. He was 21 in Halloween, 40 years later, so okay, that's <laughs> So he's 62 years old. Wow, that's incredible. And he looks great. The guy fucks. <laughs> the guy fucks in prison. He looks beautiful. You see a bit of his ear, back of his head. You see that balding pate. You see an eyelid at mm. one point. I can't, I actually thought that was very cool, the way that they never revealed his face. Yeah. Can you talk about what you felt about Michael Myers in this movie? Okay. I'll tell you this. I've never been scared of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because he's too much of an icon. Yeah. Same as Freddy Krueger. Like, I'd known about Michael Myers and seen images of him w- way before I saw yep. any of the movies. 
Um, but the first one, you know, there's plenty of scary, suspenseful moments in that. Yeah. And then all the other ones I watched, I didn't feel any fear. Mm. But this one was the first one where I think the character was genuinely scary. I think maybe part of that is to do with like they've stripped us of those sequels. Yeah. So we're back to this blank slate of a character that he is in the original film. But because the original one is tainted by us knowing that there are these sequels, now that we know there aren't, we're back to going like, fuck, this is some psycho that killed his sister broke out, killed five people Mm. on Halloween, and now he's back 40 years later. He's still a psycho. He hasn't spoken for 40 years. Yeah. And I think, like you're saying, you're seeing the bit of his head, a bit of his eyebrows. Well, there's something in the performance Mm. of it that is like, this isn't a demon. This isn't someone who's pure evil. It's someone who's mentally ill. Yes. And that's really frightening. And he's like this, you know, this janky old man. Yeah, like... and they sort of say that. There's a point early in the movie where one of the podcasters says, you know, um, tell us what it was like facing the pure evil that is Michael mm. Myers. And she says, he's not pure evil, he's a human being. Yeah. And we have to remember that. Yes. And then he is. He's just a human who's fucking gone crazy as a kid yeah. and now can only express himself through violence and is somehow, at 61 years old, stronger than The Rock. Well, I think old men have that innate strength. <laughs> yeah. They like, got if up. Jerry Stiller came into this room now, <laughs> he could tear us to shit, both yeah, of us. Yeah, you, know, you know, just like Jerry out of Stiller nowhere. Jerry Stiller is... The perfect Michael Myers. It Jerry, should have like, been Jerry Stiller. <laughs> and just, I guess the, it's the same way. Jerry Stiller, you have that anticipation for when he's building up to a line. Yeah. He's, his head rolls back. His eyes roll yeah. back into his head. He's thinking about his what he's going to say. barrel of a body puffs out. <laughs> like a pigeon ready to fuck. <laughs> and you just go, and you're just like, if that's the whole movie, him leading up to saying something at the end, and it's just at the end going, Georgie, or something like that. <laughs> Serenity now! Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, a really great performance from both physical actors mm. that played the shape this time around. Nick Castle is one of the classic shape yeah, players. He was the filmmaker that uh, was friends with John Carpenter, yeah. who was just cast as Michael Myers in the original. Yeah. And then also played by James Jude Courtney. Who is a stuntman and also did a great job. The level of menace this time around was incredible. And I think largely because... We we rarely saw just full shots of Michael Myers. Mm. It was mostly we'd see his boots, yeah. Or we'd see like his head from behind in tracking shots, yeah. Or his hand grabbing something and crushing it. It was always micro detail of yes. Michael Myers that broke him down to his barest elements, which is he is an unknowable, unseeable mm. figure of in- immense strength, yeah. He rips someone's fucking jaw out in this movie. Oh, God. It the was violence, awesome. The violence I found very satisfying in this uh, film. Me too. I really was worried it was going to be... Because I don't know David Gordon Green had that in him. Mm. I I love David Gordon Green mostly for his comedies. Yeah. And his work with Danny McBride on Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals and, of course... Pineapple Express. Yeah, I love Pineapple Express. I lo- I really like Your Highness. Your Highness. I think it's underrated. Yeah, it's awesome. The Sitter, I think, is underrated. But I didn't realize he had this in mm. him, which is like, it's brutal. It's like an animal. There's sh- amazing shots yeah. where you just see the shape pre-mask in the background of shots, out of focus, beating a guy to death mm. with his hands. 
You never see that in any of the other Halloween movies. Yeah, and I think it brings the reality of violence that we haven't really had since the first Halloween, mm. where people fucking get stabbed and they die. And it yeah. sucks and you can feel their pain. And in this one, bring it to a more visceral and gr- like grotty level without it going as far as Rob Zombie because yeah. you know it's either hinted at in the background, you see it up close for a second and yeah. that's it. You don't wallow in it. Yeah. You're kind of just stuck It doesn't with fetishize it. the gore. Yeah, it doesn't fetishize the gore. It just makes it f- feel brutal. It serves... The purpose that Gore used to serve, which is shock. Yeah. Whereas, kind of in that post saw hostel yes. world, Gore became like the the actual on screen content. It became celebrated. Um, this is more something like hate. like yeah. Jeremy Solnier would be doing yeah. in uh, Green Room and Blue yeah. Ruin it's, and stuff. Yeah, it's akin to Green Room. I'd say you see really brief moments of intense gore. But mostly it's the suspense mm. and the and the stuff you're not seeing. I think there's something to be said about the knife as a murder weapon that we can detach ourselves from as mm. an audience member. I think it's because it kind of um, I don't know. It's just like it's 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 the weapon of choice for mm. like every horror movie. The yeah. genre is called a slasher for yeah. fuck's sake. So we can watch someone get stabbed to death and not really feel their pain. Mm. But when you're watching someone like have their face crushed by a man's hand mm. or boot in this yeah. movie, for example, uh, it's like visceral. You can feel it. It's like two human beings colliding and yeah. one just being stronger than the it's other. Jerry's still a strength. It's Jerry's still a strength. <laughs> Jerry's still a strength. <laughs> I think um, maybe we could talk about a bit about David Gordon Green as the director behind this film, as uh-huh. the leading voice of this film. I think he is one of our most interesting directors that we have today. As we've talked about, his career is diverse. Mm-hmm. He made his bones in like independent art house cinema. Uh-huh. He made a film called George Washington, which is literally in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, it's literally in the Criterion Collection. I caught up with it again recently, and there are. I think it's a wonderful movie. Mm. It's a wonderful art house film that feels like a real slice of life the way uh, something like a Terrence Malick film's like a slice of life. It feels like a slice of time, mm. really. And it's a story about a young African-American boy and there's a moment of violence in that film as well where another boy hits his head and dies. And it, watching this movie, I was like reminded of that. Mm. I was like, the, the brutality of the violence is akin to something like that where it feels real, like a moment of someone's life being extinguished Mm -hmm. and the pain that they feel in that moment and the blood and the visceralness of that moment uh, in the same way where it's quite nuanced and sad in that. And this is like, you know, brutal and scary. Uh, And then he made All the Real Girls, which is another kind of art house movie that stars Danny McBride in a supporting role. And then from there, he kind of did a few other ones like that. May, I think Snow Angels. And then he moved on to doing broad, almost mainstream comedies mm. in the Apatow vein with Pineapple Express, The Sitter. Uh, Your Highness. Your Highness. Saying, yeah. Then Eastbound and Down, the TV series, Vice Principals, the TV series with Jodie Hill and Danny yeah. McBride. And he, in the meantime, he was going back and doing more indie, stranger films like... Prince Avalanche is a wonderful movie with Paul Rudd. He also made uh, Joe with Nicolas Cage. Mm. Uh, he then he moved on to like Oscar kind of 
contender type films like Your Brand is Crisis which didn't do so well and then Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal that did do well and I think the thing about him is like you look at that if you just look at that filmography on IMDB like wow what is this this guy's the prototypical journeyman filmmaker mm, but, but he does have something I think exactly I think you could not accuse him of being a journeyman filmmaker no I wouldn't I wouldn't say so what is it about him I mean is it there's a style there's there is he, he has, has style, style he sure. has an eye he has flair he's there <laughs> <laughs> So there's something about him that's definably his, and I when I first heard that he was directing this movie, I was mm. kind of like, I don't see it, yeah. I don't get it. Why would he do this? Especially with Danny McBride attached to co-write yeah. with him. I mean, I know they work together a lot, and I kind of thought it would be like when I first had that. That I thought is it going to be like a funny version mm. of Halloween? Like, is it going to be kind of making fun of Halloween a little bit? It wasn't Is until... it Michael Myers can't shut up because he's played by <laughs> Danny McBride now? Uh, oh, God. Fuck, imagine. That would have been so funny. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I saw that first or second trailer that came out that was the long-ass long tracking take. shot yeah. yeah, that I kind of went, oh, that's what they're bringing to it. Mm. And that's what David Gordon Green has. It's this kind of throwback style to 70s mm. filmmaking exactly. um, that uses... Like elaborate long takes, quite intricate staging. Mm, oh yeah. There's a few moments in this movie that are really wonderful uses of that. That sequence is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know the part where he's looking through the window while the woman's on the phone and, yeah. and at first you see his reflection in the mirror window and then he walks away and then in the background you see him walk past another window yeah. and then he comes through the door and, and it's all it's like a minute long shot yeah. where he's not on screen for most of it but every glimpse of him is like important mm. it looks like it's been done by a psycho like David Fincher like yeah. looks like they did 60 takes to get it just right but yeah. there's still something off the cuff and it's, kind of it's raw naturalistic about it. about it yeah I think you're right he does have that 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 vibe of a 70s new Hollywood filmmaker like Terrence Malick you know yeah. where where there is there is a passion for staging and storytelling mm. in the visual frame of it all without it feeling elaborate with it yeah. feeling naturalistic, it's with not it feeling show-off-y. real. Yeah, it's not like because I like David Fincher, but I can also find, get get annoyed by how pretty everything mm. is. Um, whereas with David Gordon Green, I mostly don't notice it yeah. until all of a sudden I do. Like yeah. at the end of a long shot, I go, "Oh, that's been that's shot's been going for two minutes." And I think that's incredible being with Michael or seeing Michael in those long shots. And when I say Michael, I'm not talking about John Travolta's angel character. Oh, God. I just, just to let you know, I'm I, not talking about that. I wish this movie starred <laughs> John Travolta as Michael, as Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> of course, if you're not familiar with Michael, he's an angel that smells like cinnamon. It smells like cookies. Yeah. And every woman in the world wants to fuck him. And he smokes cigarettes. Yeah. He's awesome. And when he starts dancing, everyone joins in. And when he dances, it's exactly how I dance in real life. <laughs> But you, you know, barely move your feet and you move your clap hands, my hands a lot. A lot. <laughs> move my hands a lot. I'm very glidy. Uh, but when we're following Michael Myers, that is, around in those long sustained takes and with the camera either staying still or moving, it captures an energy of the first film without mm. it feeling direct, uh, direct copying of style. Yeah, it's when- an extension of those 
it's an extension of those styles where it's like we're seeing uh, where it felt like because the camera is not handheld but steady rigged Mm. uh, in those first movies it's like over the shoulder or like shoulder rig where there is a smoothness to it but it does feel like someone walking and following this one takes that feeling by having in these long sustained shots it takes that feeling of being the predator or making the characters feel like they're always being watched to the same element while we're with Michael Myers. Mm. So we sometimes feel like we are Michael Myers, but we're also having that voyeurs look into him as if he is the one being watched as well now. And then that premise is taken to the nth degree in the third act of this Mm. movie where Michael Myers becomes the one being stalked. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Yes. I thought that was like going to be cheesy at first because, you know, the, the reveal of it is that Michael pushes her out a window or something mm. and then he looks away and then when he looks back, she's gone from the grass as a direct throwback to the To original. the final scene with Michael Myers yeah. in the original film. And I was like, oh, here we go. Okay. Now it's just going to be a bit cheesy. But I thought it played really well. Mm. I think that the, of the moments that are like a direct copy or reversal of the original film. I think that one's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Maybe less satisfying is the one where Laurie's granddaughter is in class, looks out, she sees Laurie sort of Michael. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the one that I was really satisfied by the inversion of it and the the set of payoff being different was in Laurie's home when she's got her giant shotgun and she's standing outside her wardrobe about yeah. to like break through it. Just the way, like Michael, fa- we're in the closet with her originally, and yeah. Michael starts breaking through. I found that moment to be incredibly satisfying, and it gave me it gave me this sense of tension and sickness because she would be feeling those feelings yeah. that I'm feeling. Yeah, watching her going like, I know that I was in there once upon a time. Now the roles are reversed. She goes in. He's not there. He's behind her with the mannequins. If I was Laurie. Later on, mm. after like that happened, when I was yeah. driving home with my daughter and granddaughter, I'd be telling them all that. I'd be like, like, there was one bit where I was outside <laughs> my closet, and I just kept thinking, I I was in that closet. It's actually 40 kind years of ago. a funny story. It's quite. I mean, it's ironic. It's almost like like what happened tonight directly recalled mm. the things that happened 40 years ago. Now, it's the strangest feeling of deja vu. <laughs> I'll tell you. I will tell you that. Hey, speaking of references to the other ones, did you notice the Silver Shamrock masks? I didn't notice them, but I saw in the credits the uh, Halloween season of the witch masks were used. Yeah. I didn't see them in the film, though. I noticed it straight away. Yeah. It's w- in the sequence where he's walking through Haddonfield and all the yeah. like, kids are trick-or-treating and shit. There's three kids that get, like, two... Long shots on yeah. them, not long, like you know, a few enough yeah. seconds for you to realize we're supposed to be looking at them. I wish there was a scene where you saw a doctor just fucking around. Well, that leads me to the question: yeah. Is if Halloween two onwards does not count mm. in the canon, does that mean that Halloween three is still canon? Silver well, Shamrock exists. Silver Shamrock exists, but I feel like in this movie, Halloween 3 is a movie that's just called... <laughs> Hall- <laughs> I don't- Season of the Witch. Yeah, just called Season of the Witch. But then in that one, there is my foot- that leads up to the premiere of Halloween, the original movie, happening on TV. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe Silver Shamrock Company is a real company in this world. Yeah. It's like Acme. And there is a warlock who is running it. <laughs> yeah. You're putting microchips made out of Stonehenge stone pieces. 
Yeah, it was very cool. Very cool. Um, hey, uh, did you hear that they're making another one? They are talking about it because this yeah. movie has been kicking goals all around town. It's been really... It's a legend. It's made, it's made an incredible amount of money. It's made its money back and then some. And then a little bit more. A little Kitty. bit of change. <laughs> a little bit more. A little bit thrown around money. Exactly. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's fascinating to go... This is now once again attempting to be a trilogy. Does that like annoy H2O. you a little bit? I mean, I I read uh, Danny McBride say that they originally pitched two mm. two films, yeah, and that in their original pitch they were going to shoot them both back to back, yeah, Back to the Future two and three style, Lord of the Rings style, uh, Matrix two and three style, Hobbit style. <laughs> But, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3 style. Yeah. And uh, then they decided not to mm-hmm. because they, they were want like, to what if this bombs? Yeah. <laughs> and then we just have to make another one contractually yeah. and we have to just fucking wait for it to come out and bomb again. So they didn't, but they left the door open, uh, seemingly, at the end of this one. Yes, and now they're for Michael to escape, for obviously. Michael to creep out of. <laughs> yeah. And now they're talking about doing another one, which could be cool. I don't know. There's, I trust a, these guys as creators I, I enough. I can trust say that. Them, but there's a part of me that just doesn't want to see them become franchise makers mm. now. I just kind of like the idea that this was a one-off. I did like that idea too. I would like to see more. I will tell you honestly, my gut reaction to hearing there will be a sequel okay. is they can't do it because they fucked up calling it the same name as the first movie, Halloween. Well, now it's going to be called Halloween 2. What can they call the sequel? Like, that is what has upset me. Do it's you like, think they should have called this movie The Shape? I think they should have called this movie The Shape, and then the third one would be called The Curvy Shape, and it's about Laurie <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think they should have called this The Shape because it just it makes me feel... The third one can only be called Halloween again. And it's like a series of three movies where they all have the same title. And that's how you know what it is. 78, 2018, 2022 or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I thought about that too. Uh, that thought, just like, I, how I am I going to put this on my shelf? That's I th- what I want to know. I thought, should they have called this The Shape? Yeah. But then I thought, no one would go see that because yeah. no one knows what it is. Even yeah. though it would get heavily marketed, people still wouldn't go see yeah. it. People know the name Halloween. Um. They should have called it Michael. Okay, yeah. Michael. But not John Travolta. <laughs> Michael, and then in brackets, yeah. not the John Travolta yeah. one. Here's my gut reaction to it. And this is really my gut reaction to mm. the end of the movie, which is that I was underwhelmed by the end of the movie. Yeah. I think part of me wanted a definitive ending. Mm. And then there was that little part of me that knew I wasn't going to get it. Yes. But I didn't realize how not going to get it. I was not going to get it. Yeah. You're never going to get it. But it's like that, you know, it's the the archetype of the slasher film is that the you, there's no definitive end. They, they, they're not going to die. The killer's the always out there. The killer's always out there. The but it had sort of, of like two, like, cliff, not cliffhangers, but like tease endings. Mm. Obviously, and spoiler alert, guys... We see Michael Myers locked in Laurie's basement as flames start mm. engulfing the room. He's going to burn to death. Licking at him. And as we all Licking know, horror boots. icons fear fire the most. Much like Frankenstein's monster 
Fire bad. Fire stolen from the gods and brought down to earth to give life and to destroy. Prometheus. I love the Prometheus Suck my liver out, crow. I'm Prometheus and I love fire. (laughs) Uh, And then we see all of a sudden the room is empty. Mm. Did he escape or has he burnt up already? And then, so that's one tease. And then the final shot is of three generations of Strode going away in a cop car They've both, they've all survived this event, but then the camera moves down to a knife in the youngest one's mm. hand, and it freeze frames on that. Does it actually freeze it's a frame? Freeze frame, which That's awesome. is a filmmaking device that requires us to give attention to something. To me, that so does that works mean that th- the killing gene or whatever has moved on into this young one, or she'll become? A psycho. Oh, to me, it doesn't exactly mean that. Even though in like the other Halloween films, traditionally Laurie's daughter has been hinted towards those things, or yep. Laurie herself in uh, the Rob Zombie films. But I think for me, it doesn't mean that. If we're just looking at this movie thematically as a single mm-hmm. entity or a sequel, a legacy sequel, is that to me it means violence begat violence. Or, yeah, tra- uh, there are consequences to violence yes. and those are usually trauma and being guarded and feeling like you need to protect yourself mm. at all times. Or Yeah, to me, it's just like the only solution to this violence was more violence. We. Oui. It's a bit of a... You say we? Oui? Yeah, I've been in France. <laughs> okay. But it's like, you know, it's a bit <laughs> of a uh, modern-day conservative reading of the film, if you will. Yeah. But I think that's the way that I read it because I am... I'm into that. <laughs> no, but you know, I I see it as that. I see it as this single entity, and that is what we're seeing. The message of this film is that violence creates violence. And it's a never-ending loop of that. I don't think it's going to be... I don't personally think that she's like, that felt awesome, I'm going to go kill more cunnies. She's like, hang on a a tick. That means I'm evil again. I'm evil (laughs) (laughs) So... It felt like I was going to not watch any more Halloween movies Mm. after this. But now it seems like we're going to in a yep. few years. I mean, what do you want to see? Where I want to see, see Lil Bow Wow with a web show where Michael Myers' <laughs> crib is being remade again. Do you want to see David Gordon Green direct it, yes. first of all? I would love to pass see. the mantle on to a different uh, filmmaker? No, I'd love to see David Gordon Green and Danny McBride continue with this if they do... I mean, this movie's made a ton of fucking cash. It's been the number one movie for two weeks in a row, mm. which is crazy for a horror movie, crazy for a movie that, like a franchise, where this is going to be more successful than the original film, you know? Mm. And I, I'm interested because I respect them as artists. I'm interested in seeing the way their art develops, mm-hmm. especially with something like this where it's caught on to the mainstream. It's like something that's unexpected, like, Danny McBride's saying this is his first success, <laughs> which is quite bizarre to think about when you know, the guys had two, one rel- one hugely successful HBO series and one relatively... Well, you know, th- those shows weren't that successful. Well, They kind of clung yeah. on. They're like cult hits and comedy nerd yeah. fans, but they never made money and got crazy ratings. Yeah. I'm probably which... just blind because Matthew McConaughey is in them and we're like, oh, that's huge. Yeah, like people love them. Yeah. Filmmakers and actors love those guys. Yeah. Um, he was in fucking... Wasn't McBride in Alien, Alien Covenant? Covenant? Which yeah. is basically <laughs> this movie. Yeah. yeah. He's been in... Like, he's been in stuff, big things, but I guess you're right. This is his first big successful creation, yeah. probably. 
And I want to see them write more. I mm. don't know if I want to see David Gordon Green making Halloween movies for the next no. 10 years. I also don't know if I want to see the further adventures of Laurie Strode mm. as a um, like grandma who fights crime. I think I'm not offended by the idea of it. Because yeah. I see this film as like the Beowulf it's like a continu- if the f- it's like a continuation of Beowulf. It's like the you know, the first part of Beowulf is there's uh this warrior has to come in and save this fucking uh save this village or whatever it is from a beast, Grendel, then you find out it's not Grendel, it's Grendel's mother, and then uh Beowulf whatever doesn't kill that or some shit sorry I'm this is such an old poem I'm trying to fucking remember <laughs> but you know I saw this as like part two of Beowulf where uh, Beowulf later becomes king of his own kingdom and then a dragon comes to attack and now he must be the protector of his own kingdom and mm. I saw the the first film as the original Beowulf where there is, where like Laurie is Beowulf and now I see this as the second part where she's the king of her castle and then the dragon comes back. Okay. Sorry, I've had to study that in school and I and I wrote like a I wrote like an idea based on it which is very similar to this movie and I was like Jamie Lee Curtis should be the lead in this fake movie that I was making as an assignment so I just see it as that where I'm yeah. like yeah this is this is the st- classic story of like Beowulf and Beowulf like in, myth- in the mythology mythological terms I've never where heard... I'm like that is where the story should end but I'm like yeah I mean I guess if they do more but like what would it be like now I don't know they, what they it move be. they move to a different Another city podcast. and fucking Michael follows them there like I don't know what the story is there's something so poetic mm. about. 40 years later, yeah. this guy has waited four decades. His moment arrives. It's like somewhere between fate and planning. Uh, they haven't seen each other in in, in a lifetime, mm. and yet they're, both of their lives are defined by needing to destroy the other. And then the next one, what's it going to be? Fucking four years after that? Mm. There's nothing poetic about that. Halloween H44. <laughs> Something like nothing like final about it or mm. exciting. It's just oh, here's another one where all of a sudden, you know, it's she's old still. She hasn't seen yeah. him in a couple of years. He's wandering around again. He's got dementia. Just <laughs> look after him now. <laughs> I'd watch that if yeah. the story was she had to become his carer because he made her her next of kin, <laughs> even though they're no longer brother and sister. It's like she's the only one that knows me, I, I guess. Just sort of like, Loomis is dead. I yeah. squashed that other cunt's head. That French doctor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know really what I want to see, but they say they've written, they wrote two stories, so mm. I guess that would make Halloween a trilogy. Yeah. So that must mean they've come up with a way to end it. Yeah. Like a satisfying final chapter. I hope so. And I trust I, I, them. Yeah. I'm 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 anticipating an idea that I will believe in from them. Yeah. But um I'm satisfied by this movie. If they don't make another one, if they decide that's the end of the road, but it's profitable, they probably will make that sequel. Do you recommend this to other people? I definitely do. I think this is a wonderful capper for the end of our Halloween series to mm. come to another film that I think obviously is not as great as the original Halloween film, but it's pretty it's good. It's the next best thing. It's pretty close as the next and best thing. And it's not trying to be better than the first one. It's just building off it mm. and respecting it. And it's probably the scariest or most suspenseful one since the original. Yeah. 
and it does things that they've never done before. Like there's wonderful humor in weird ways. Yeah, maybe in I can't ways... believe we didn't talk about that. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can close up a little bit talking about that. But these, this movie does feel like a Danny McBride movie there's in a lot of times. Characters times. and like actors or non-actors that have been cast in this movie that feel like they belong in the Vice Principals universe. Yeah, or the Eastbound universe. The little kid that she babysits yeah, is who's like cutting his nasty funny. ass toes. That's like that's Danny McBride dialogue. Yeah. Everything that kid says is Danny McBride's voice. Apparently they filmed that one long take an hour of improv, letting them muck around. Danny McBride probably throwing in a few lines. Yeah, that's awesome. That's mm. really cool. There's other moments like that that are kind of like clearly you know, like two their, cops talking about bun me. Yeah, yeah, the bun me thing. Um, what's the other? There was another bit that I really I found. To me, there's moments where it teetered on too much. Where I'm like, oh, get back to I get, yeah. freaking me out. But I mean, that's the kind of comedy I like, and so I'm still enjoying it. It wasn't too much for me. I, I found it just enough. Also, there was a cool uh, little Eastbound cameo. Um, the character's name is Dontel in Eastbound. Mm. He works on... He's on Sports Sesh. Yeah, on Sports He was sesh. in this movie... He's like a sheriff As a sheriff character. or something, and he's great. So mm. I kind of, like, enjoyed that. There was little glimpses of their wider universe. Yeah. It was... Yeah, I liked it a lot. Maybe Cameron... Oh, Cameron, would you recommend this to people as well? I definitely would, but I wouldn't recommend everyone watch the entire Halloween yeah. series. I'd say watch one, two, and this one, even though you have to discount two yeah. to enjoy this one. But two is good because you've got more Donald Pleasant mucking yeah. around. You can do that and pretend it was just a dream. Yeah, exactly. And, it, I mean, this made me go, rest in peace, Donald Pleasance. I hope you're mucking around up in heaven with, you know, cool guys like he's Elvis, go- yeah, he's Marilyn Elvis. <laughs> James Dean, you're playing poker with all of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanging out with Humphrey Bogart on a bonnet of a car or some shit oh dude i'd be asking so many questions of all those famous guys hey donald say hi to gilda and john for me oh rest in peace bill hicks if you run into him at the nightclub up there in heaven tell him thanks for everything (laughs) cameron one more thing before while we're closing this up i just want to point out a detail that may speak to the dark satanic powers of a namesake. Okay. A man that we've studied for a very long time, mm-hmm. Mike Myers. Oh, yeah. We've, in his biography, Canada, he talks about a dark energy. Yeah. Now, how Satanists have many times come up to him and say, you've got great energy. Perhaps that is the curse of Mo- not Michael Myers, but Mike Myers. But I feel the dark energy around us today as we're talking about this. Uh-huh. Because 2018 is the year, 40 years later, where Michael Myers has finally made his rightful return to cinema. The night he came home. Also the night he came, full stop, and then also back. Mike Myers in 2018 also made his return to the big screen. Terminal, wow, close by Margot yeah. Robbie, and Bo Rap, Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> Are these two men more inextricably linked than we have ever even anticipated or thought of before? I have one thing to say to that, and only long-time listeners will understand, and that is blessed be. Blessed be Michael. Blessed be Michael and Mike. Myers. Brothers forever.
<laughs> but we will eventually be talking about those two movies on Mic Check. Those uh-huh. will be coming out very, very soon. Yeah. Episode 69 is going to be Terminal. Episode 70 is going to be Bo Rap. <laughs> Stop calling it that. <laughs> I want to call it Bo Rap. Cultural uh... learnings to make understanding of great movie by director Brian Singer about Queen. <laughs> Oh, well, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this little series. Same, me too. It's given me an appreciation of a film that I adored so much, and then the shitty sequels that followed it, <laughs> that are infinitely, they're interesting. They're, it, as cultural icons, they're interesting. What are we doing next? Next week, we are sticking to the genre. We are talking about an original film that is an icon of cinema that has got a remake coming out very, very soon that I got to see as a preview and I'm excited to talk about both of them the movie we're talking about next week is the original Dario Argento Suspiria Suspiria I've never seen it it's Mm. one of those ones that people have been saying to me for years you gotta watch it and I keep saying I'm about to watch it yeah I'm going to watch it this weekend, and I've never... You are going to watch it this weekend. So, I am going to watch it this weekend. Yeah, and I can't wait for us to talk about it. Hopefully, we get a great guest. We've got some good ones in the in the mix for it. Uh-huh. That might be a hint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, for the remake, we're going to be talking about Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria, starring yeah. Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton. Mm, cool. All right, that's going to be fun. I hope I get spooked out. Mm, And also, we can reveal what we're doing right after that because that is leading into our live episode that we were recording at the Chippo Hotel on November 25th. This, well, next month, if you listen to this the day that comes out. But November 25th, we are doing a live episode. We're doing a double ep about two of the most fucking insane actors that you and I are quite (laughs) obsessed with. Uh, So the... The double that we're doing after Suspiria, we're going to talk about the original film, The Wicker Man, on the podcast. It's going to just be us talking about it just in normal, the room. Normal style. Classic Alexi and Cam style. Alexi and Cam style, as you've come to know, two best friends talk about movie style. Sitting, goofing, maybe having a beer. Talking Carrie the Two style humor. Yeah. And then we're going to be talking Carrie the Two, maybe four style humor live. That's true. About the Nick Cage starring remake of the classic film, The Wicker Man at the Chippo Hotel. We're going to do a double episode. The second part of that will be our Christmas special. We're going to talk about The Grinch starring Jim Carrey. Which I've seen. Have you? Yes, I've seen it too many times. I truly despise that movie. Oh, it's actually, it makes me feel fucking sick. Yes, it makes I me feel green I can't believe we violent. both decided to do this even though we both hate it. Well, I think it's going to be very fun and mic checky for us to do a live <laughs> one about the Grinch. Definitely, I just ca- I have to steal myself to watch it again. Yeah. I can't believe it. Well, we're going to have to steal Christmas, bitch. I'm going to have to steal <laughs> a copy of this movie because I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> well, it is on Netflix, so it's easy to catch up with. Uh, so we're going to be talking about those ones. The tickets are available online now. You can find them in the show notes for this or on our Facebook and Twitter pages. They'll be shared in the announcement for this episode. Uh, you can find them there. Yeah, get your tickets if you haven't got them. They're already starting to move. Our live apps are very funny. We're funny dudes. We're live performers. We're live performers. Our guests will be incredible. We have some great guests lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shows will sell out. So yes. book your tickets now. Yes. And if you are a Patreon supporter of this show, there is a special code to get a pretty good discount on these tickets for two live podcasts um so if you not do that five bucks a month to get you tickets uh for cheaper 
five bucks off. And also, you get way more bonus content from us. You get a podcast called Total Reboot Risk, where we invent reboots and remakes on movies and TV shows that we'd like to see. We just did one on Frasier, that is one of the dumbest things we've I ever think done. they have become our... Uh, those Reboot Riffs have become our channel for our actual mental illness. Our insanity. <laughs> our insanity, our obsessions, our weirdness. Yeah. It's made us better in real life, I think. Because Definitely. it's given us an outlet to be insane. <laughs> I'm a lot quieter in real life than I used to be. <laughs> because of that. Yeah. We also do celebrity goss on them. We do celebrity goss a lot. We yeah. give our opinions on Aussie comedians and Man, actors. We would that never we... <laughs> otherwise do. We would never otherwise give them out. Yeah. Uh, what else do you get? You get access to a cool Facebook group where everyone talks about movies, yeah. shares stuff, lots of chat, lots That's of That's probably my favorite thing in the world right now is this Facebook group because you, and we used to do a segment on the show, What Have You Watched? We don't do that as much anymore because it's part of the Facebook group. Yeah. And it's more What Have We All Watched? And we talk with like heaps of people about all the things they've been watching. It feels so fun and interactive. It genuinely brings me so much joy seeing people posting in that group. Everyone's mm-hmm. so cool and respectful and like has interesting thoughts about film. It just gives me energy to fuck around and suck all day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else can we uh, get people to go to? Oh, talk to us on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. I'm at I am Cameron James, and Alexi is at This is Alexi. Yes. Oh, there was someone on Instagram who DMs me saying they were a fan of this show, and they, I I I saw the the message as soon as I started watching a movie, <laughs> so I didn't get to reply to them, and I can't find it now. But this is to you, and to many people who have suggested this in the past. They are a big fan of Blank Slate as well, our original film podcast, and they were upset that there wasn't the entire backlog catalog out there of those old episodes. We've got, I think, about 40 or 50 of them in there. Mm. Um I am working at the moment on trying to get all of those old episodes up somewhere. I think we will be releasing them as a Patreon uh, benefit in the future. So if you're missing like the first 50 episodes of Blank Slate, uh, we will get them to you eventually through Patreon. uh, And that will probably mean that the current episodes that are up there won't always be up on our free feed forever. So if you want to get them, just download them all now if you want. I reckon download them all now and then press it to vinyl if yeah. you can. And that's the real way to listen to a yeah. podcast. But I've been able to track down our original episodes. I will be able to get them all together for you guys in the near future. There's some really golden oldies in there that make me real happy to go back and listen to when I was trying to find them all. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me in your home, Alexi. Oh my God. It'll be the last time we're recording in this house. That's true. You're I'm moving to it. a bachelor pad. I'm moving to a batch pad with my partner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so goodbye, house. Let's, I'm crying. You are yeah. crying. I'm yeah. going to say um, goodbye to every item in your room when I leave. Okay, Criterion Collection, assorted by spine number. Say goodbye to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> say goodbye to Seven Samurai. one of the first ones. Say goodbye to that huge framed and mounted Donnie Darko poster. <laughs> yeah, it's 3D. It's lenticular. <laughs> <laughs> My lenticular Donnie Darko poster. You look at it one way, you see the rabbit. Look at it the other way, you say Jack Gyllenhaal. Is actually uh, is actually the godson of freaking Jamie Lee Curtis. That's how she got involved in this movie. Oh, that's awesome. A little bit of Hollywood scoop. Uh, and until then, talk to us online and give us five stars. And we love you. And until then... 
Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, total reboot. Yes. Favorite podcast, favorite mask brand.